Will the Falcons be one of the top suitors for Justin Fields when he gets traded by the Bears this offseason? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with a winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. So, guys, if you don't know me, I'm your very humble host, of course, Aaron Freeman, right? Uh, been covering the Falcons for far too long, formerly at FogFans.com, RIP. But you may also know me as Sirius Black, as Mr. Drew, as Mr. AKA. And, of course, I appreciate each and every one of you that is a everydayer of this podcast. And especially in the offseason, when you guys need to get your Falcons fix, you know, I'm I'm the plug. To, to, to hit you up, to hook you up. Um, and, you know, if you want to get that fix, all you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode is all about Justin Fields. And I'll give my thoughts at the end on the potential pursuit of Justin Fields for the Falcons, why I'm not as keen on an idea as seemingly other. But first, we're going to talk with Locked On Bears host Lauren Cox about, you know, whether Fields will even be available since there's some recent rumors that came out on Tuesday that the bears might keep him. Um, and we'll also talk about sort of how robust his trade market will be if the Falcons want him as their quarterback. So let's jump into that right now. Welcome back to another illustrious episode of the locked on Falcons podcast with another illustrious guest. He is none other than Lauren Cox of locked on bears. And today he's going to be joining us not to talk crossovers, like he did last December, but well, I guess this is some form of a crossover with him talking about Justin Fields and you know his trade market and whether or not moving forward he's can be a successful reclamation project. But Lauren, my friend, welcome back to Locked On Falcons. Hey, man, appreciate you having me. So we've had some conversations off the record, so let's have one on the record. <laughs> is Justin Fields getting traded by the Chicago Bears this offseason? That looks like the overwhelming likely outcome here. Now, the Bears are going to keep their options open at all times and never say never until the deal is actually done. But that seems to be the plan. They're going to stick with the number one overall pick, take a quarterback, and likely then trade Justin Fields to the highest bidder. Although ESPN's Adam Schefter has said they've had conversations about keeping Fields and the number one overall pick quarterback. So, again, don't you can't say with 100% certainty, yes, they are going to trade him, but any team that makes a pretty decent offer, I think they'll take. Now, speaking of decent offer, Atlanta is, of course, one of the places that many people have speculated for days, weeks, months that Fields could wind up being, you know, being traded to. I tend to be a little bit more skeptical of that than probably the conventional wisdom. 
And I'm sort of looking around the league and wondering about how robust the trade market there will be for Justin Fields to sort of get that highest bidder. And I feel like Luke Getze getting the offensive coordinator job in the Raiders just kind of scratch one more team off the list. But maybe you have a different assessment of that. Maybe, you know, Luke Getze and Justin Fields are, are secret BFFs and they could, you know, get it going better in Las Vegas than they did in Chicago. But I sort of look at it as Atlanta, Denver, or Pittsburgh. I'm already skeptical of Atlanta. I've talked to people that cover the Broncos that are also skeptical that Sean Payton would want him there. So it just kind of leaves Pittsburgh, but that gets to my question, which is kind of threefold. Are you expecting a more robust trade market than maybe I just illustrated? And what sort of trade value do the bears want to get back for Justin Fields? And what sort of trade value do you actually expect them to get back? The question of the, trade market I think is is the most interesting one here because you're right you can start to play the quarterback musical chairs game a little bit and you wonder who's going to be left without a quarterback and needing you know a, a dance partner in this and the team I would throw in that you didn't mention was the New England Patriots you know there's some thought that picking third in the draft that they won't want the third best rookie quarterback and might be more inclined to trade for Justin Fields in some machination like that that's a team that is added to the conversation and some people have put Washington in there as well but I'm a little bit more skeptical there but it really does I think Pittsburgh and Atlanta and then to a lesser extent Denver are are the big three teams there the latest reporting is that Mike Tomlin is evidently a, a big Justin Fields fan I don't know whether that comes out of Pittsburgh side or whether the Bears leak that to re raise the trade market. But regardless, all it takes is uh, all it takes is one team to trade for Justin Fields. And it's, once you get two, then you can start to get a little bidding war. So as much as like it might not be as robust of a market of five or six different teams maybe going after Fields as maybe you would have initially hoped if you're the Chicago Bears, all it doesn't it doesn't have to be anything too crazy. All you have to do is have two teams pitted against each other and it becomes a slight bidding war there. It's, it's not going to get out of control. Like people have thrown out first round pick. No, I, I don't think that's that's likelihood. It's it st starting price is a second round pick. And if two teams are involved, it's like, OK, then what will you give me in addition to that second round pick? If it's one team, you might just be able to give up a second round pick and say, that's all, you know, we'll give you that. And that's all you get. And you can't, you can't say anything about it. But what it'll probably be is this year's second round pick and then some form of conditional draft pick for next year based on what Justin Fields does in terms of starts or in terms of yards or whatever metric they want to put in there where bears are guaranteed a second this year. And then it could be anywhere from, I don't know, a fifth, a fourth, a third, whatever, based on the production that he does on his new team. That That's my expectation from somebody. Okay. I've also heard that Mike Tomlin was a huge fan of Malik Willis and that didn't prove to be true. So, you know, I think we need to do a little bit more fact checking on uh, which quarterbacks Mike Thomas has a, a strong affinity for, because, uh, you know, I, I've seen that also out there about the Justin Fields thing. I'm like, OK, sure, maybe. So Lauren Cox has told us that Justin Fields is on the move. Let's talk about what he may be bringing to his next team next season as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. Now, football season is over and basketball season is now upon us, right? It means that you guys can get buckets, especially with your first bet over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with a winning $5 bet. Any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your first bet wins. And you can bet on the NBA. You can bet on the NCAA. I know a certain tournament in March is, is coming up that you know incites Madness. And of course, you know, FanDuel is a place for 
any type of bet you're looking for quick bets same game same game parlays you know player props so much more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to sign up and get started that's fanduel.com slash locked on to shoot your shot fanduel is an official sportsbook partner of the nba let's get to the big question about justin fields as a quarterback uh we did see improvement from him this year is the expectation from you someone who's watched pretty much every game that justin fields has played and i'm sure has gone through with a fine-tooth comb every throw that he has made and every run that he has made in his nfl career you know how good a bet do you think it is for his next team presumably uh that he can be sort of their long-term starter or is this more a let's kick the tires on him for a year and then maybe we'll see I guess it depends on how you want to define long-term starter. Like I, I believe Justin Fields is a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL in the long term, but I also think that there's a wide range of outcomes that c- fall under starting caliber, right? Like Ryan Tannehill is probably still a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, but if he's your quarterback, you may end up feeling like you want a better quarterback, but he could start for you and could start for you for as long as you want if you built a good team around him. And I still think there's an outcome where Justin Fields elevates to a better quarterback than that and can still, I don't, like, I don't think we've seen peak Justin Fields yet. It's, it's I think, indisputable that Chicago did not properly develop or structure an offense around Justin Fields for any sustainable period of time. There were moments of it and there were stretches where, Everything seemed to kind of fall into place and the system seemed to be fitting him and the players were stepping up around him and it looked like a sustainable, successful offense. And then things fall apart for one reason or another and coordinators change and receivers change. And I mean, he just hasn't been, he hasn't been given a super, super fair shot. And that's why I could see a team like Atlanta or Pittsburgh or whatever feeling like, man, if we can get him into our team with our offensive coordinator and our weapons that's the stability in the system he needs to thrive and look like the guy that we thought he could be coming out of Ohio state. Like the only reason the bears are having this conversation and are so eager to move on from him. It's not because Justin Fields is terrible and they just got to get rid of him. It's, well, we got the number one overall pick again, two years in a row. And this draft happens to have this guy, Caleb Williams at the top that the team feels like they just can't pass on. And so like, like if the bears had just the ninth overall pick in this draft, I don't think we would be having any sort of conversation about, Oh, uh, they got to trade fields and draft a quarterback. Like we'd have the, should they draft a quarterback and have him compete maybe conversation, but there would be no Justin Fields trade discussion. If not solely that the bears have this number one overall pick. And so like, there's still a faith that he can be decent. Like there's no reason he couldn't have a, a even like a Geno Smith type ascent where he gets in the right team with the right coach and the right offense and throws for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. And maybe that's not a super bowl or anything, but like that's a, fine starting quarterback like he can definitely still be that for somebody and I think so So it's like it is a risk and you're not guaranteed that he's going to be your long-term option but I think he can be and I think it's a worthwhile chance for a team to take especially I don't know I feel like Atlanta has a smart young offensive coordinator and some good weapons around the quarterback like that's that's the big thing Justin Fields needs but it's also what every quarterback needs so you know yeah um final question Lauren um we, we've seen Justin Fields with and how effective a runner he can be. And I know that's been a frequent criticism of the Bears in the last two years is they've done too much leaning on Justin Fields as a running and not enough leaning on Justin Fields as a runner. Um, I'm curious, do you feel like his next team is going to have to embrace that running ability? Or do you feel like 
the passing stuff is can get there to a point where you can kind of leave the running stuff by a wayside. That's a that's a good question because it's hard to it's hard to separate them, right? You know, they're not so mutually exclusive. Like you can't you you don't want to make Justin Fields a pocket passer because the legs are absolutely a strength and something that you should find ways to maximize, but you don't want it to be a crutch and the only offensive weapon you get out of Justin Fields. Like he can make beautiful downfield throws, difficult throws, even in the pocket, but also on the run that impress you. And you're like, wow, like that's why, that's why the bears traded up for him. That's why he's a first round pick. That's the guy like that can be your franchise quarterback. And there's other times when he'll sail a short pack, a quick curl route or the quick set, like the quick passing game is not Justin Fields forte. The stuff that should be easy sometimes just looks too difficult. And the stuff that looks really difficult looks easy for Justin Fields. And that's like the frustrating thing, but what gets you so excited. And so in Chicago with, with Luke Etsy, especially there was this feeling like they tried a little bit too much to kind of not, not necessarily corral his rushing, but kind of corral his playmaking a little bit where it felt like he lacked confidence in times where he'd go through a progression and you'd like, you watch his helmet go from receiver to receiver. And like, he would look at a receiver and as you're watching tape, it's like, that's open. Like throw it, pull, pull the trigger. And he would move on to the third and, and then no one's open. And then he takes off and scrambles. And it's like, it's not that he's scrambling too quickly. It's that like he got to where he needed to be with his eyes and he didn't, he didn't trust it. it either. He wasn't seeing it quickly enough or he saw it. And was like, well, I don't know if I can get it in there in time, but there, there are other times when he's like, especially at the end of this season, when, you know, was, the bears weren't really playing for much and he knew he's probably going to get traded this off season. So it's like, screw it. I'm just going to play my ball. And he would just rip it. You know, he would just for, force it in there, but not really risky, but just trust himself and play like fast and loose. And he made some beautiful throws and like looked more like Justin Fields. Like that's where we saw the improvement again this season was like, wow, he, he saw it. He just fired it in there and he cared a little less, right? He wasn't trying to be so perfect. He wasn't trying to make sure I don't make a mistake. Oh no, I can't, I can't try that pass. No, I got to just do the safe thing and scramble or do the safe thing and find a little check down. Like when he was just letting loose and confident and comfortable, like that was where Justin Fields was. And running the ball is part of him having that confidence and comfortability. So you got to let him do that and have that be part of the offense and then empower him as a passer as well to let it loose. And you know what? Maybe he'll throw an interception or two. I mean, it, it's possible, but it's worth it if you get those big time downfield impressive throws with the confidence behind them that really make you fall in love with Justin Fields, like the quarterback prospect. Okay. Well, Lauren, I appreciate your insight. I'm sure we could do this again and maybe we will wind up doing this again should the falcons uh do what i don't quite expect them to do and make a trade for justin fields at some point this offseason i don't i don't think it's you know i don't i don't think it's it's definitely not going to happen it's just i think it's more like their plan d as opposed to like their plan a or plan b at the quarterback position but lauren let the people know what you unlocked on bears are talking about. I'm sure it's a lot of Caleb Williams versus Drake May versus Jaden Daniels type of conversation at this point in the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. If, if Justin Fields ends up in Atlanta, uh, take good care of him. You know, we, <laughs> we still love him. It's like it's like rehoming a pet. It's like we love the pet. We just we just can't can't keep him any longer. It's not because he's a bad dog or a bad cat or whatever. It's just because, you know, we, we got a new baby coming in the household and we can't you know, we can't keep them both at the same time here. So take good care of him. He's a Georgia boy. He grew up rooting for Mike Vick and the Atlanta Falcons. Like that's why everyone wants that to happen. And I certainly, we certainly have a lot of bears fans rooting for, for Justin Fields on there, but of course uh, unlocked on bears 
yeah, we're talking Caleb Williams. We're talking Justin Fields trade packages and different teams and compensation. And of course, Bears have a lot of salary cap space this offseason and build around their next quarterback and hope that they don't regret having moved on from Justin Fields. Thank you once again, Lauren, for joining us on today's episode. So stick around for more Locked On Falcons, where you're going to get my thoughts on Justin Fields, or at least more thoughts on Justin Fields than I've already shared on today's episode, including why I think it could make sense for the Falcons to pursue Justin Fields. We'll make the case for why they might pursue him. Um, And we'll talk a little bit about my own personal journey with Justin Fields, because I was very much, you know, banging the table for the Falcons taking him at the beginning of the 2021 draft. And now I'm sitting here three years later being like, yeah, you know, and so I'll, I'll break down exactly why as we wrap up today's Locked On Falcons. Passion, drive, patience, it's what brings home that winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle or level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash, baby. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into that MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. So we are wrapping up today's Locked on Falcons. In tomorrow's episode, I believe we'll be joined by uh, Trevor Sikama of Pro Football Focus and the NFL Stock Exchange podcast to get his thoughts on the draft, including some uh, quarterbacks. You know, a lot of talk this week is going to be quarterbacks. A lot of talk this offseason is going to be quarterbacks. So continue to make Locked on Falcons your first listen this week, uh, all part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's talk about my personal journey with Justin Fields because I began, if you probably remember back to 2021 in the pre-draft process, I was very much a believer in the idea that the Falcons should and would take Justin Fields, right? You know, I was very early on the Kyle Pitts makes sense bandwagon. Um, and then by the time we got to the draft time, I was like, no, Fields is the right call, right? And for the next 18 months after that draft, you know, quietly disgruntled uh, over the Falcons passing on fields and, and thinking it, it was a mistake. Now, the turning point for me came around the time when the Falcons played the Bears in November of 2022. And watching the film of that game, as well as some of the other Bears games leading up to that game, I didn't necessarily see the progress from fields as a passer that I wanted to see up to that point. I think that was like his 21st start against the Falcons in the NFL. And so essentially I was of the mindset, oh, like I was just wrong on Justin Fields. He wasn't as good as I thought he would be. Now, I think Fields has improved in the 17, I think, starts he's had since then. But I don't think his improvement has been, on, from my eyes, massive, right? There have been some really good games in that period of time, but they're just kind of like, you know, in a lot of ways, similar to Desmond Ritter's Houston game, where it's like, hey, he played really well in that game but it's sort of few and far between, right? And when you look at this last season where Fields was playing, you know, relatively, you know, better, good, whatever you want to call it, football, a lot of people look at the final seven games after he came back from an injury 
believe it was a thumb injury as sort of his best stretch of games during the season. And so when you look at that, you know, some of the more advanced metrics, like, you know, if you look at his PFF passing grade, he would have been the 25th best quarterback during that stretch of games. If you look at his adjusted net yards per attempt uh, or Anya that we like to talk about as our preferred passing efficiency metric, uh, it was 5.2 during that seven game stretch. That would translate to being the 28th best quarterback in the league this past year. If you look at his EPA or expected points added during that stretch, he was 19th and no EPA, at least I think in this case is factoring in his running ability um, at that point. So 19th is, is not bad, right? We, we talk a lot about the 19th best quarterback uh, in the league. and um, But when you look at his success rate, during that seven game stretch. And in this case, we're not talking about the quote unquote normal success rate that I bring up. That is, you know, how many yards you get based off a down distance. We're talking about EPA success rate, which is basically, as I understand it, the percentage of plays that have a positive expected points. He was 28th in elite. And so the translation of that is essentially an EPA does a good job measuring this is fields brings explosiveness to your offense, right? Why his EPA is so relatively good, but he's not very efficient, which is why that success rate is not very good. And some of those other metrics that are a little more at efficiency, um, like Anya aren't very good, but the case for Justin Fields, I think is basically the same case that we were making a year ago for Desmond Ritter, that we don't necessarily need an elite quarterback. We can, we can deal with the 19th best quarterback because we have a run game and a defense that can do the bulk of the heavy lifting that we need to do winning games most weeks. Now, that didn't prove to be the case this past year. The running game took a major step back. The, the defense did take a step forward. But, you know, there's reasons to think that the Falcons defense could rebound. And then when you factor in that Justin Fields is going to be a major contributor to that run game because you're probably, as the Bears have done the last two years, you're, you're probably scheming up, you know, anywhere between like 8 to 12 touches for him as a runner. Uh, that's going to enhance that run game there's even more reason to think that that run game is going to be that sort of elite unit with Justin Fields at the helm more so than it was with Desmond Ritter. And also unlike Desmond Ritter, Justin Fields is less turnover, you know, less prone to turnover worthy plays. And then you couple that with sprinkling in a couple of those deep shots that in theory, Justin Fields should be better uh, at hitting than Desmond Ritter is because he has a better arm and, and better touch on those throws. Um, that's your formula for success, right? Run game, defense, and an occasional big play from whoever the Falcons re receivers are. Um, and like, I think that can work, but I don't think that's necessarily like a foolproof, oh man, this is a great plan for the Falcons, right? I think you're basically doing the same thing that you've done the last two years, which is, you know, you you have a sort of a bridge quarterback that you don't think can sort of, do much of the heavy lifting on your offense and you're just relying on the rest of your team to go out there and, and win you nine or 10 games. Right? You know, maybe, maybe your quarterback will help you win four of those nine or 10 games, but you, you need the run game and the defense to, to win you the other five. Right. And that's why, like, I'm not as keen on the idea of Justin Fields. Cause again, it just feels like more of the same from the last couple of years. Now, theoretically fields of course can do more has more upside than Mariota or Ritter does. But like it's an, another sort of short term bet, right? Because we've discussed this before in the podcast, you know, the team that acquires fields is unlikely to trade for his fifth or is unlikely to pick up his fifth year option. 
2025. Now, as a reminder, after your third year, if you're a first round pick, after your third year in the NFL, team has to make a decision. So the Falcons would have to make a decision on whether or not they're going to give Justin Fields his 2025 base salary fully guaranteed this offseason. And the Panthers made the mistake of trading for Sam Darnold back in 2021 and then picking up his fifth year option before he had played a snap for them. Right. And they wound up being saddled with $19 million guaranteed for a backup quarterback the following year after they went out and got Baker Mayfield. Now, in Fields' case, overthecap.com is projecting that fifth year option to be about $22 million in 2025. And again, that's a lot of money to pay for a player that you're not 100% certain is your guy. And I don't think there's any reason for the Falcons to be 100% certain that Fields is a guy. Now, you know, so essentially with Fields, if you trade for Fields, you're basically renting him on a one-year, like $3 million deal. And if he plays well, as we discussed before, then you would probably franchise tag him. And that is somewhere between like $35 and $40 million in 2025, which is a lot of money, but, it, you know, it's worth it if you ha- if you think you have your franchise quarterback. Um, and if he doesn't play well enough to, to merit that franchise quarterback franchise tag, then you're back in the quarterback market again in 2025. Now, I look at it as not a great bet that given all of Fields' struggles to progress so far through three years in his NFL career, that you're going to drop him into a brand new environment and a brand new offense with brand new weapons and all that stuff. And it's just going to, he's going to hit the ground running, right? And it's all going to click for him in a period of time that's going to allow this football team to win enough games to be a playoff team. And he's going to do it at a certain point where you're going to be like, yep, this is our guy. And, you know, we're willing to pay him whatever, you know, long-term money is right now. If Greg Roman was the Falcons offensive coordinator said to Zach Robinson, you know, we might have different math on that. I don't see this regime embracing a quote unquote running quarterback that Justin Fields, I think that you would have to embrace to a certain extent. And that's why I asked Lauren that question. Cause I'm just like, I feel like if you try to make him into a guy that's going to throw the ball 30, 35 times a game, like that's, that's not you know, like you need to lean hard on, on the running ability, at least initially and, until you can figure out the rest. But um, where I come up with the whole plan D, this will be the last point we'll, we'll, we'll make on today's episode, right? What, why I think fields is more of a plan D than a necessarily a plan A or plan B that I think a lot of people seem to think, right? And a lot of that, if you've been in every day or you've heard me sort of express what I think is like plan A and plan B. Right. I think plan A is basically the Falcons somehow landing one of the top three quarterbacks in this draft, whether that's Caleb Williams of USC, Drake May of UNC or uh, Jaden Daniels of LSU, um, whether they have to trade up for those guys or those guys fall. Like, I think that's the ideal scenario for the Falcons. I think plan B, if that doesn't look likely, is that they're going to pursue Kirk Cousins, um, assuming that he makes it to market. Um if Kirk doesn't make it to market, right, if Minnesota finds a way to keep him or, you know, some other team swoops in and, and lures Kirk away. But for the reasons we talked about two days ago on the podcast, I, I do think if Kirk does make it to the market, the Falcons should absolutely be considered the front runner for his services um, more so than they are considered with Justin Fields. But plan C to me in the event that Kirk doesn't make it and the Falcons realize, oh, we're not going to get one of the top three quarterbacks is to take QB four in this draft. And I think that's probably going to be JJ McCarthy of Michigan. Now that's a controversial take today, 
I don't think it's going to be that controversial in the next in two months from now, because I, I think McCarthy's stock is going to rise over the next two months, similar to, you know, going back three years ago, me being on the podcast, being like, hey, you know, the Falcons taking Kyle Pitts makes a ton of sense um, in, in early February uh, of that year. And everybody going like, that's ridiculous. And the Falcons, been, and then two months later, people are like, you know what? Actually makes kind of sense. The Falcons taking Kyle Pitts. And so, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Now, that's where Fields to me becomes plan D, right? If plan A, plan B, and plan C don't falter, right? Or, you know, if despite my expectation at J.J. McCarthy, maybe the Falcons are like, yeah, we don't really love J.J. McCarthy, right? And then I think in that situation, we can get to like, you know, early April, around the same time the Panthers traded for Sam Darnold and the Falcons may be looking around and being like, you know what? Fields is kind of the best option available to us. So might as well bite the bullet. Um, But again, that's where the Darnold comp comes in. You know, once the 49ers traded up to three in late March, about 10 days later, the Panthers realized, Oh, we're not going to be able to get the quarterback that we want in this draft. We're not going to be able to get that guy in the top three. So let's, trade a second and plus to for Sam Darnold. And obviously that didn't work out, but I feel like the parallels, I, I know I'll get pushback from there, but I, I feel like there's so many parallels between that and, and this Justin Fields thing. And that's part of the reason why I'm like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, you know, I feel like Fields is a little better than Sam Darnold, but not to a massive degree. But again, that's, that's a spicy take to a lot of you guys listening to the pod. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, and um, that's going to do it for our Justin Fields conversation. We'll talk more about Falcons draft prospects with Trevor Sikama of PFF on tomorrow's episode. If you want to get more insight into what's going on elsewhere in the NFL, check out Locked on NFL. Check out Locked on Steelers if you want to get their perspective on Justin Fields. Locked on 49ers, Locked on Chiefs, Locked on Sports Atlanta, Locked on Sports Today. Both have 24-7 streaming YouTube channel, so go check those out. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.